0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Vader Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all are joining us this morning. I'm Vader, not Vader. They kind of say Vader <laughs> on this. <laughs> Even though there's an R. V A D O R.
2: Those, like Darth Vader. I know
1: it. Boy, <laughs> did I get that when that first came out and I was like nine, maybe or ten. And so I got harassed hor- horribly about that. So this is Darth Vader.
3: Nothing wrong with the little uh, thick skin there, Miss Vader. Right. Good morning to you. and Good morning to you, Mr. Jim. Howdy, howdy. How was everybody's week?
1: It was great. It yeah, was great. Well, it was Just digging for plants, looking for plants to sell. And we got, we got some uh, plants and green plants in a bucket. Yeah. But some things are small. Like, say, I was, that's what you said like, a couple of weeks ago. You'd just be happy to get any green plant in a right. bucket.
3: Hey, people are start, still going crazy this year. I mean, I don't know if it's because we're kind of on the downslope with COVID. Uh, people are getting outside, you know, and mm-hmm. they were getting outside last year also when they were all hemmed up in the house mm-hmm. initially. But people are excited. I mean, they are, and which is great. Don't get me, I love the excitement myself. But it's been crazy around mm-hmm. the garden center, and which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong but people are excited about getting outside i'm telling you
4: yeah
1: i'm i'm enjoying talking to people that are just now getting into the gardening scene or or been have been into it for about a year or so, mm-hmm. and um, they're really excited over it. And and I'm say I'll tell them, oh, you've all of a sudden become a floraholic There you go. And, <laughs> and then like a you what? Know, yeah, we the,
2: we call it the corolla virus.
1: Uh, the corolla virus. Corolla
2: virus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
3: love it. <laughs> and even the uh, the young folks, uh, you know, they're bringing uh, the outside in. They're buying house plants in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, like they've never bought houseplants yeah. before. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I don't know. It's it's a pretty amazing, really.
1: It is. It's fine. Yeah, I'm glad to see the younger crowd in and, and hiring younger people at the garden center that haven't been coming up through the industry at all. Yeah. The communication is so hard because of all your terms that you use, they're not understanding at all mm-hmm. what we're meaning. And <clears throat> uh, perennials, annuals, they're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's <laughs> the
3: difference <laughs> between those two, please? And then, you know, I've been talking to people all week, of course, Um, you know, we always talk about, you know, there's always the insects that we're controlling out there. Uh, There's a good bit of disease. Powdery mildew, you know, reared its ugly head this Mm -hmm. week with the uh, the rains that we've had the cool nights i mean it's just a azalea leaf gall, azalea leaf gall jim saw a lot of that this week also where yep. the leaves start looking funky and they swell up and then they turn white then they turn black and people are like what's going on with my zayas right. right i think
1: my gardeners haven't had their stuff in the ground for a number of years enough to start seeing insect and disease problems yeah well,
3: good for them i'm telling you um uh but yeah azalea leaf gall and i had a lady come in yesterday and she had never had it before on her azaleas and she was like what is this thing and what, what do i do it looks alien it does it i does. mean it's it's mostly superficial but you want to pick off as many galls as you can if that's feasible raking off that are on the ground and then just go back in there and spray with some uh you know some daconil or macazab something like that and it, it'll knock it out but uh we're, we're seeing a good bit of fungi activity already, just you know because of the weather. In fact, I saw some raindrops driving in I this morning. Yeah. Rain dumped me almost all the way here. You know, I'm thinking, hmm. hold on, was that in the forecast? I didn't think yeah. it was. And I can't wait to get outside today. You know, it's one of those things where, and I guess this I should say this for the Fix It Up show, my wife is always changing things in the house. Mm-hmm. And when she wants to change something in the house, all of a sudden I become involved, right? <laughs> and usually it's involuntary, but I do become involved. For example, she wants to have the kitchen repainted. I've got enough swatches on the kitchen wall where to where I could have gone ahead and painted the whole kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, so and now there's probably twenty different paint swatches on my wall. I can't leave it like that. And I gotta go buy and get two more today when I leave here mm-hmm. so I, I i'm looking forward to just going outside okay
1: yeah Oh, not not painting the kitchen at all just being outside yeah so just think how you she has swatches of different colors all on her wall yes now imagine if she was uh doing your landscaping she would have like all kinds of different colors of flowers just kind of kind of like my yard yeah <laughs> and then deciding <laughs> I would which have, color i would
3: have i think i just feel better when i'm outside
1: yeah than i yeah. do when
3: i'm inside oh, doing do this too. kind of stuff i'm telling uh, you uh,
1: absolutely that uh we had a fireman coming to the garden center and um i was like so have you been gardening long And he said, just getting into it. And uh, he goes, I just feel good coming here. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, I bet you do need some really good downtime. He said, yes, I think this is going to help me tremendously. And i never been in the garden. I said, well, what what brought you here? And he says, it just seems to be so much more known Mm -hmm. now. Gardening seems to be much, much more known. And I I wanted to see what it was about. And he goes, I I just feel better.
3: Well, you know, that's a good therapy for Mm -hmm. me, you know. Um, And we were talking about, Jim, a azate leaf gall, and powdery mildew. I've seen a lot of powdery mildew, it seems like, on dogwoods all of a sudden. Um, I mean, so what do we do? I mean, the leaves start turning black. They start falling off. And I know mildew is usually somewhat Mm short-lived. You know, it doesn't stay there all year like some of the other diseases do. But, I mean, I guess if a dogwood, if you can spray it, you know, it's not so, you know, large that you can get out there and spray the foliage, I think you should. Mm -hmm. Uh, come back in about 10 days, two weeks And spray again In the same fungicides Whether it's a Liquid systemic uh, Whether it's Daconil And uh, I do
1: know Neem oil Neem oil, neem oil I, I mean copper I mean
3: most of your Fungicides, fungicides have mm-hmm. Mildew on the label I,
1: You know We always tell people Buy a fungicide that has mildew On the label I'm trying to get Rid of the mildew I don't want to buy One with mildew On the label uh, <laughs> You hear that Jim you hear that uh, <laughs> uh.
3: So guys Make your rounds and then, uh. <laughs> You know In spotting <laughs> On uh, uh, English ivy You know We talked about That in the
2: last couple of weeks, I mean, so I'm telling you, I'm seeing a good bit of fungal activity early in the year. You know, as as much as people remember that week of extremely cold temperatures, we had a very mild winter. Uh, (laughs) And one of the ways that you can tell is azalea leaf gall. We see it in winters when we don't have a lot of up and down temperatures. Hmm. Um, So you know, if there's a mild winter, you can almost plan on azalea leaf gall. Isn't uh, (laughs) it'll do the same thing on camellias. Yeah. Is that
1: okay? I know a lot of leaf galls are or galls come from insects. Mm-hmm. Isn't the leaf gall the azalea fungal. leaf is, is fungal? Yeah. It okay, is fungal, yeah, yeah. And so somebody that, sent
2: a picture yeah. in, um, it's, I think it was last year. It, it the leaves it looked like a flower. They were yeah. perfectly spaced around it, and somebody said, mm-hmm. "I don't know what this plant is." You know, yeah. Yeah. and I had to look at it a time or two before. <laughs> you know, I don't remember any flower <laughs> like that either. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, it, actually a zaya leaf gall. It was leaf gall, and, and it makes it, it makes that leaf just swell perfectly, up. whirled around the tip yeah. of the thing. And, oh. and, uh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What What
1: about the? I've, somebody sent me a picture of something from Texas and said, "What is this?" And I'm thinking it must be gall, but it looks like uh, white grapes, like jelly. She said they were like jelly, and they look like white grapes. Send me a picture. I guess I'll have to show it to you. Yeah, send me the picture. But And so I looked up galls, and I saw something maybe like it, but not enough to convince me, well, so I'll and, show you the picture. And there are
3: some galls that are formed by insects, mm-hmm. and there are other galls that are formed like, by bacteriums and fungi. Like those
1: big knots that are in the oak trees That's that used to related. throw at each other when you were growing wasp. up. That's mm-hmm. a wasp, Yeah. yeah. Amazing what insects do, and, and diseases. You know, who would think an insect could cause a big hard gall on a tree? Yeah, yeah. It's,
2: imagine, it's amazing what the plant can do, and you know when the insect gets that's in there. That's true. You know, just yeah. makes that gall form around it, uh, and you know, it's a symbiotic relationship because yep. th- that's what the wasp needs. Um, so it's, uh, but if you, really if you have cool oak,
3: oak tree gall, with like you said, that big knot that mm-hmm. eventually kind of falls out of the tree. Number one
2: rule, don't park under it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, uh, but you can get the, uh, tree and shrub systemic drench. You can. Yeah, and if pour that it. around the uh, trunk of the tree and it will help reduce the amount of gall that you'll right. have in that tree. No yeah. doubt.
1: Yes. I remember all through the woods and walking through the woods, the trees had them, had the gall in them. Mm-hmm. So that would be hard to treat, wouldn't it? You yeah. just let nature take its time but if you've yeah. got one in your yard you know, you know you it's don't. not going to kill your yeah, tree okay right. what
2: it does it makes the little limbs brittle cuz that mm-hmm. gall is so much heavier than yeah, uh, than it what what it would normally support so it's uh, you know, you can have them where it looks like a Christmas tree ornaments just all over, it. yeah. You mm-hmm. But it's not really affecting the health of the tree. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's not the best look in my opinion, right. though. Well, Except true.
3: for
1: when the leaves are on, so grinch. you just don't look up. And, yeah, just don't look up in the winter. <laughs> and you'll be fine. <laughs> but see, some galls are pretty. I like those uh, brown ones that feel like paper on the outside. Oh yeah, the puff balls, right? And then the ones that are kind of red. Me and my grandmother used to walk through the woods and collect all those. Had no idea. We were collecting galls Mm. (laughs) but because they were so colorful and unique and fun. Mm -hmm. But y'all need to give us a call, 260-5926. Watch us on Facebook Live. Yep. And we will return.
0: The Mighty 990, KWAM, and Mighty990.com.
1: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So, um, let, me t- let me read this to you. Trundling down a row of crops, a battery of 12 cameras scan the ground, mm-hmm. identifying weeds through machine learning and killing them with a the CO2 laser. Love it. CO2 lasers use a reaction between nitrogen, helium, carbon, and oxygen to generate a powerful beam of light that are concentrated through mirrors inside the laser to kill the weeds L- that ensures supercomputer, the robots on board supercomputer ensures millimeter mm-hmm. precision with its laser so it can avoid accidentally clipping crops.
2: How come we
3: don't already have something like that
2: out there? We be- do. Because, you know, it will be a thousand years for it to pays for itself. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says... But I want
3: one of those things in a <laughs> yeah. small size. You uh-huh. could just pull it behind your lawnmower, and it automatically will pick out the weeds and just zap them. Yeah.
1: I guess at least we're working into the future. Yeah. You know? And so, killing yeah. weeds, right? Right, right. So I guess you can call that organic. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can I Can I buy one of those lasers? That I can take home and precisionally kill my weeds in my yard.
2: I wanted to kill the squirrels too, I'm fine. Mm, You you know, they make that little laser like flashlight that actually you can start a fire with. It's Ah. that bright. So. You know, get you one of those, Kenneth, and you can just stand out there in the yard and just go around and Ooh. zap them and set uh, them on fire. Well, a water hose, on the other hand, Well, which Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or I could just, you know, go the old-fashioned route and get some weed killer, which yeah. you can still use. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, people are still trying to kill weeds in their established lawns, uh, mostly, you know, Bermudas and Zoysias. Um, and if you've got broadleaf weeds, whether it's clover, henbit, chickweed, violets, those kind of things, especially clover this time of year, which Beta hates for me to tell people to kill (laughs) um you know getting a weed free zone weed beater ultra uh, weed out with crabgrass control i mean any of those products are really good in knocking out those broadleaf weeds Uh, but the stipulations and we all know are you know you surely don't want to spray if it's going to rain within 24 hours you really don't want to spray when the temperatures start getting above 86 89 degrees um you know you can't so you can't use them really when it's hot those particular products that i mentioned but now, you know, in the spring, I mean, knock it out. Get those weeds knocked out of there. But it has to be on established lawns. And I say that because people come in all the time to the garden center and they want a, to buy a weed killer to kill the weeds, right? And the first thing I always ask them is, all right, is your lawn established? And they're like, well, I put down some sod last, late last fall. And I said, well, how many times has it been cut? Well, once. Hmm. No, that's not considered an established lawn. Um, you know, usually it's got to be cut at least three times. Uh, for your lawn to be considered established and most lawns are don't get me wrong but there are a lot of people out there that put sod down late in the year and you know with the tilling process and all that that goes on preparing the soil to put the sod down you bring in the weed seed up Mm -hmm. close to the surface and you get a lot of germination well they want to kill those weeds and they don't understand that they can't go out there and spray on a lawn that's not considered
2: established
1: what's the science on that i don't i've never understood it why? Why does it make a difference on this weed killer? Well, if
2: like Bermuda grass, okay, you can kill it with 24 four
0: D. Okay.
1: The Bermuda grass, yes, and two fes- D
2: is in most of your broadleaf right. Fescue is right. much right. more tolerant. You yeah. can triple the dose mm-hmm. on with two four D and not phase and you your wouldn't. fescue. Uh, so you have to be careful about what what mm-hmm. you do. You know, it's technically a broadleaf weed killer, but it's also uh, a brush killer if you get it strong enough. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful. I did something Mm -hmm. yesterday, which I don't normally do. I mowed my lawn. Okay, I usually have somebody do that because I still, my hips, you know, because I'm working on number, this is five and six. (laughs) Um, Wow. So I I, I don't, it's tough for me to push a lawnmower. So I bought a little, one of these electric ones that pulls itself. And it does great. I mean, it did good. But I wanted to mow it very low to try to get some tillering. And the guy that mows mine has one of those, you know, Cadillac, yeah. big lawnmowers <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that in my grounds, not really even. So, mm-hmm. you know, he'll get it close and then he'll scalp some, yeah. you know, but that's not his fault. It's, it's my lawn. So I mowed it very, very low. Uh, and I was surprised at how much bluegrass that I had. I had never noticed it just mm-hmm. walking through it, but when I start cutting it, I could see the seed heads. Now, bluegrass or poa? Poana. Bluegrass annual it? bluegrass. Okay, Poana, Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. We don't grow bluegrass. I didn't know right. if you actually had planted bluegrass. Yeah, no, that's no, what no, I was wondering. Is annual bluegrass. Well, you it know, it's a bluegrass. A, I mean, it's just as so much as so. bluegrass. Blue, bluegrass, bluegrass, is bluegrass. <laughs> is Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it just dies in one year, but you know, that's how I could tell where I would mowed because it was still kind of short. It was where the seed heads were. And so, you know, today I'm going to probably get a little image and go out there and see if I can uh, um, send it back home to its maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you thank know. you. Very but nice. the damage is, too, is already done. You know, there's a lot of seed... C- Already in there, yeah. which I will attack in the fall. I put a pre-emerge down this spring mm-hmm. uh, after I fired my lawn service, and, and it seems to be good. I see no crabgrass, so apparently, uh, actually did a good job. Are you doing the using the Dimension? I used Dimension the pre-emergent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I you know it's just such a good product. You can use it on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt bulbs. The only yeah. thing, m- not vegetable gardens, but pretty much everything else. I put it in mm-hmm. my on my pathways to help prevent seed from coming yeah. up. You know, so it, it's it's really good product. Just don't yeah. put it anywhere where you're growing things from seed. If you want your echinaceous to reseed, then don't put mm-hmm. dementia right.
0: right. Yeah, so,
1: and yeah. there was a time when we had to be careful to get the pre-emergent on the lawn, but not in the bed. Yes. Which, uh, when this one came out, the dimension that it can go everywhere, boy, it made everything right. so much easier. And it's
2: it's not hard on bulbs, which so many of the mm-hmm. pre-emergent's were. If you remember Eptam, no boy, sure. yeah. it would just knock the bejesus out of bulbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would it would even prevent Bermuda grass from encroaching into a bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a it was a good product, but it just had some drawbacks. Um, you know, for people like me who just you know, I don't. I plant everything where, where where there's a hole, something gets planted, yeah, you know. Ahead. So I'm not thinking, well, these type plants need to go here so I can put this down. Mm. <clears throat> there's no planting in my garden. Okay? Right.
1: Don't know grouping. And, no. And particularly uh, at my age, either. I don't plan
2: past lunch. <laughs> yeah.
3: <you know>? <laughs> 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 well, with Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to mm-hmm. all uh, the mothers Absolutely. out there. And they do they. you too also, babe. Um, you know, a lot of people would think about roses. I Do mean, it's care, always, Kenneth? that's yeah. a, um, <laughs> I hear you, Jim. <laughs> roses are just a, you know, people love to get, you know, their moms a, a rose and it doesn't have to be a cut rose. It can be a rose bush. Right. And there's so many different roses on the market now, you know, whether it's the shrub roses, the, like the knockouts and the drift roses. Uh, the hybrid teas, the grand the floribundas. Uh, now there's the, the dirt and grit. Yeah, and I mean the flower carpets. And they're all yeah. beautiful roses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but but what's the key, y'all, in in planting a rose?
1: Well, you know, good air circulation, proper amount of sun. When you say ha- at
2: least half soil. a day, of sun. Yeah, yeah, right? six to Let's eight see. hours, be my preference. Yeah. And, and
3: what about the drainage? You just said. Yeah, good drainage.
1: Soil? Good soil. Um, that good. those are really the three movement, major, yeah, major ones. That. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, that's and that's why I'm bringing this up, because mm-hmm. we actually started selling a lot of roses yesterday, and I know we'll sell a yeah. lot over the weekend. So, if you do purchase some roses uh, this weekend, they're actually, it's, they're tough shrubs. They are. Bloom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. But uh, good air circulation, like Veda said, because that kind of knocks down the amount of black spot that you'll potentially see if you've got good air circulation and at least, you know, half a day sun, if not more, and try to stay away from overhead irrigation, you know, if you can.
1: Morning sun is one of the best because it can dry the moisture off the leaves so you don't get fungal activity. And
3: and then roses, kind of like a lot of other plants around here, they love water, but they will not tolerate setting in water. So good drainage uh, is a key. So if you do, like you said, if you have those three things, uh, you're going to have some really good, healthy roses. And now, don't get me wrong, I've already seen a lot of black spot. A lot of black spot. Uh, they're, again, mostly because of the weather. And if you do have black spot, and eventually you will get black spot, uh, you know, I tell people try to pick off as many infected leaves as you can, if that's feasible. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, you know, some people don't, some people do. Uh, rake any up that are on the ground, blow them out, rake them up, clean it up as best you can. And then there's a product called Mankazeb. Uh, that I love to control black spot, especially if you have a pretty good outbreak. Give it a good spray in, wait five days, spray again, wait five days, and spray a third time uh, with that Mancozeb, and it will really knock out that, that black spot. Now, that doesn't mean that once you've done those three applications of Mancozeb that you need to stop spraying mm-hmm. a fungicide. You know, we're out there spraying every two or three weeks, typically just to prevent mm-hmm. black spot. So that's you know, if there is ever a drawback with roses, it is yeah. that disease.
1: Right. So if I had to do that, I wouldn't use that rose because oh, I'm a lazy gardener. Well, but my point so though I'll is pick the, some different roses. You're right. They yeah. some
3: of them are more resistant to black spot. But if you do those three things, if you have really good drainage, you've got good air circulation, and you're getting the right amount of sun. <laughs> You're never going to see as much black spot on those roses as the yeah. ones that don't.
1: Cuz there's roses that are that come here that really aren't for our area. But we got to run and we'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Give us a call 260-5926. You can watch us on Facebook Live, and we also have you
2: can watch me, beta, beta on me Facebook which, Live,
1: which <laughs> don't tune in that way. Oh yeah, Facebook
3: Live. That way you can uh, shoot us a just text. Just don't
1: look at the video. Oh, and
2: people send us text one all the time. camera by design.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, you can send. Yeah. Messages on Facebook Live, and we'll answer them that way too. If you're kind of shy and don't want to call in, that's no problem. And uh, again, there's all kinds of great questions y'all come up with. We love to know what's going on out in your gardening community, so give us a call or uh, send us a message. Yeah,
3: 260 go- 5926.
2: Excuse me, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. One of the things I wanted to add to our conversation just before we got out there about um, taking care of roses is proper pruning and helping prevent diseases and insects. Mm-hmm. Um, by keeping them open, You know, particularly hi- hybrid teas, if you keep the inside of it open, you should be able to reach over inside the rose and, and go all the way down to the mm-hmm. rootstock. Uh, that gets good air movement through there. And also, you know, if you've got, um, when they produce good flowers, you know, after your first flower uh, matures, if you'll cut down just below the the first set of three leaves mm-hmm. then there's the a three, dormant bud. Three lit. or five leaves. Well we, before the fifth one I but gotcha. after the third. Gotcha.
1: So I cut on the fourth then? Uh, yeah right.
2: <laughs> uh, so anyway but if you cut there's a dormant <laughs> flower bud there but after that one has bloomed then you want the harder you cut the stronger the cane you're going to get mm-hmm. the bigger the flower you're going to mm-hmm. get this next time and also because the mite that carries rose rosette likes to feed at the base of the rose or the first leaf or two under it, you'll cut that bugger off before he has time to infect your plant Mm -hmm. all the way back down to the ground. So get in the habit of proper pruning. We should do that with your knockouts. Once you've had a flush of blooms, shear them back by 12 inches and throw Mm -hmm. it away. Bag it. Throw it away and then you're less likely to have rose rosette because you're saying the mite eggs are towards the top of the rose the well the not the eggs but the adult oh, mite, the mites themselves they like to feed right at the base of the of the flower or one or two leaves right below it that's the tenderest growth and that's where they like to to feed so that's where they're going to get yeah. infect your plant so if you'll just immediately after flowering mm-hmm. cut back to 8 10 12 inches – then, before that virus can move down through the stem, you've got it off and gone.
1: Right. So, that's preventative maintenance. That's right. That you could call that in your uh, restorative gardening because you're doing something to prevent you having to come back later and spray with whatever you're going to spray with chemical or organic. So, and I was actually reading an article and I didn't finish it, but I was thinking through it, going, would I really do that? But this person was writing on it was perennials, and they were using the same pruning technique as what you just recommended for roses, kind of licking, and fruit trees, and everything yeah, in between. Yeah, but they right? were also recommending to do it for perennials, which I can see. You know, they were talking about pruning the the center out, making it look more umbrella like. But kid you really? I just don't think I would be doing that. I and, I'm know. like, no. I
3: mean, perennials. You know, depending on the variety, most perennials are just tough as nails yeah. anyway. I mean, uh, maybe
1: like the the gardening phlox, it gets real tall and it has lots and lots mm. and lots of stems. Maybe I would take some out to loosen, to add airflow. And we
2: had an interesting article. One of our members uh, put in uh, uh, an article about what's called <coughs> the Chelsea Chop. It's named mm-hmm. after the yeah. Chelsea Flower Show yes. in England. But what they do is things like phlox, when mm-hmm. they get up, you know, you know this plant's going to flop over once mm-hmm. the flowers get rain on them and it, So what you do is once they get up to Mm. 24, 30 inches tall, then you cut them back to about 12 inches. Mm -hmm. They'll flush again. Your flowers will be smaller, but you'll have more of them, Mm. but it will prevent those from falling over. I've started doing that with my Mm -hmm. paniculata um, they're called dwarf yeah. hydrangeas, but mm-hmm. they still get six feet tall, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> like so, limelights and some mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, these are Bobo and yeah. some of those that, don't, mm-hmm. that aren't supposed to get really tall, but yeah. they get these huge flowers on them and mm-hmm. they end up flopping over. So once they got to about waist high, I cut about six inches out of them. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll put out more buds. They'll have smaller buds, but they won't fall over on everything. Yeah. So it, and it makes... Gives me more room to plant around them because mm-hmm. it opens the sunlight up, yeah. and you get better air movement through them. So anyway, it's um, so pruning is a pretty big deal. It's, you it's know? just as important as weeding and fertilizing. It's you know and thinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just part of gardening. Right?
1: Know? Yeah, it really is and uh it sometimes it sounds complicated and hard when when we start talking about it and i have watched tons of Mm -hmm. people do every seems like everything wrong or do things that don't work and Mm -hmm. their plants are fantastic yeah because it's nature and you can have (laughs) two plants next to each other or across the sidewalk from each other and one Mm -hmm. performs awesome one does not perform And they say it's been uh, cultivated the same way. The compost was used as... Everything was done the same, but... On the surface, it appears that everything's the same. And this rose could have established quicker and taken off. And then this other one might have had previous problems and it is slower growing, so, it wouldn't really be all the soil's fault at no, that time. It could time. be root bound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be this person broke the roots when they planted, and then the husband over there didn't break the roots. <laughs> yeah, off. notice it's the husband, <laughs> right?
3: No, it, 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 is, is a square Genome's azalea face. the same? <laughs> is the square azalea the same as pruning?
1: Oh, the square azalea. Or oh, is that just
3: shearing? Well, that, I don't know from the guy who who has all baldy shrubs. I know, well, But I'm having as square squares they is. That I, uh, I, so I do promise So you can
1: diss you. them. You can I mean, diss I mean, people. And mean, squares i mean,
3: my LVs. Hollies manicured. You mm-hmm. know, whether it's the Burford Hollies or the the Yopon Hollies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all you know trimmed and cut and tight and. But so I'm, he's I,
1: shearing well, Jim's pruning.
3: Exactly. That's my yeah. point, though. But I'm not going to shear. Mm-hmm. You know, things that don't. And I know y'all going to jump on me, but things that yeah, don't. As hard as I can. <laughs> I'm not going to shear, as they is. Let me yeah, put it right, that way. I'm not right. going to shear things that look unnatural, mm-hmm. sheared, okay? Yeah. But I do see that. And that's not what you're saying. We're saying pruning is going in there and taking out individual limbs or limblets and opening things up. Yeah. Which is completely different than shearing something, that's okay? That's a good
1: point. Yeah, that is a good point. So pruning does have a lot to do with the outcome of your plants.
3: Now, what about mulch, guys, Um, in in rose beds, or or beds in general, but especially rose beds? Do y'all like to have a light layer of mulch down there uh, or or no mulch at all? And I'm always under the premise that I like a light layer of mulch. I think Mm -hmm. it looks good. It holds the moisture in.
1: Light layer was the key, light layer. And
2: then is there a particular variety of mulch that you do or don't like? Well, I am anti-mulch in... High maintenance beds, like roses, dahlias, if you're growing lots of them. And the
3: reason I'm bringing that up, because a lot of people don't have mulch in their rose beds. Right.
2: And it's uh, it, it, a couple of things, because if you have weeds, it's easy to target those. If you have mulch and you pull a weed out of it, you've broken any barrier that you may have had in there with, with, a, pre-emergent. with a pre-emergent. So it, to me, it's easier to keep clean with no mulch in the bed. Okay um saying that i've got mulch in most of my perennial beds mm-hmm. yeah. you know um but there are some rose beds particularly i would not
1: yeah yeah now uh, maybe I, I would use the pine fines mm-hmm. that are small little small small little nuggets and i told y'all i think that's what
3: i'm going to use as my mulch mm-hmm. this year and you know maybe next weekend yeah. you know i've always traditionally used either uh cedar mulch um Not cedar. Cypress. Cypress, I'm sorry. Cypress mulch, which is the light colored mulch. Same here. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, I've used pine and I've used hardwood. I've used them all. Uh, And this year, Veda, Jim, I think I'm going to use the pine fine, the soil conditioner. Uh, You can use it as a soil amendment, you know, to work into your soil, to break up that clay when you're planting shrubs, but you can also use it as your top dressing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a little concerned about wash. I don't know exactly.
1: It's working great. I've put a lot out in areas that wash. And um, it, it's working really good. The color has lasted a long time, too, because I did this in the fall. And it and doesn't
3: compact at all, no, either. No,
1: mm. it still looks great. It's really w- I was surprised. I was the same way. I'm like, this is going to wash or it's going to lose its color quick and look gray. It's kept its color and it hasn't washed. This is the earth mix, Pine finds. Which has got to be similar to all the other pine fines. Yeah, I'm pine, sure this pine one doesn't bark doesn't is hold, pine yeah.
3: bark, and you grind it up and turn it into little small pieces. I don't care what people call it. It it's is pine, pine fine. Yeah, you know?
1: right. Yeah. So I like that, and I like to put it on top of my containers, uh, container gardens, mm-hmm. just to hold the mulch, um, hold the soil, keep the soil cool, and also because it's pretty. And then when you're planting, because like... You know, I want to plant a few plants so they can grow to the container, but I don't want to see empty soil. Yeah, and, and there are
3: things <laughs> that really don't, you know, and the reason I brought that up, Jim, and thank you for the on the roses, I agree with what you're saying, but I've got to have a little bit of that pine vine or something in there mm-hmm. just for the aesthetic reasons. But there are a lot of people go crazy when they start putting mulch down. I don't know what the deal is, or maybe they're having people do it for them. Mm-hmm. But you go out there and you'll see four or five, six inches mm-hmm. of mulch in these beds. And there are some plants that are very shallow-rooted, uh, azaleas, boxwoods, Japanese maples, for example, and they've got way too much
2: mulch on the top of that root system. And and they pile it up against the trunk of yeah. the plant, you know, which should never be there during the growing season. You can get away with it during the winter because it's not decomposing actively. Really? Yeah. But you don't want anything touching... Barky or or even herbaceous plants during the during this the growing season. Yeah, get as close as you want to, but just mm-hmm. don't let it touch them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So those
3: are just little tips of the trade there, Miss Veda, right. for people not to. They're trying to do the right thing. They really are, mm-hmm. but they're actually it's more detrimental than it is beneficial when they go
2: overboard with the excessive mulch out there yeah a lot of people think though that you know you got to get it three or four inches deep or it won't keep the weeds down and that's where they 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 like gardening they just don't like the weeding part of gardening right so let me pile (laughs) a lot
1: of mulch up there well we'll talk more about mulch and other topics but we'd love love for you to give us a call 260 or send us some questions and, on Facebook <clears throat> Live.
2: And in the second hour, we're going to talk about green water in your pond. Yeah. The
0: Mikey 990, 1079 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. <laughs>
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. And
3: good morning to you, Ms. Beta, and to you, Mr. Jim. Howdy, howdy.
2: Uh, you said in the next hour we're going to mention... Uh, we're going to talk about green water in ponds, you know? Yeah. is that just what it's called, green water. Green water. water. Yeah. Which it's is not,
1: only not bad. It's not bad for fish, no, but we healthy, don't like but, it. We'll, we'll talk about but it. But well, people
2: just don't like to see it in their pond.
1: Right. I can't blame it. Well, you want to yeah. see your fish. Yeah. You know, so
2: so we're going to talk about what happens naturally, and then how to prevent that from happening, and and in uh, some other stuff about water gardens. Right, Listen y'all.
1: next on how you can control Mother Nature. Yeah, <laughs> have y'all uh,
3: heard about any of the gardenias coming back out yet? I mean, because mm-hmm. as mine, we all mine, know,
2: mine bit the bucket. Did it? Okay, yeah, well it's it, gone. It, yeah,
3: I mean, it, you know this this w- week of winter that we had, um, you know, it just did a number on most of the gardenias that were out there. And, uh, you know, the the foliage was fried on them, um, mm-hmm. and some of the tips, of course, were burnt. But, you know, the the puzzling thing is, if you go out there and scratch the stems, a lot of them still have green in there. This
2: one still had a little green near the trunk, but when I pulled it up, there were there weren't any really good active feeder roots on it, you know. Well, it was just it well, was hanging on. And it.
3: the reason I'm bringing it up is because I mean, there's still a lot of gardenias out there that have no foliage. Of course, you know, they had not pushed out anything, but they're still green. Mm,
1: yeah, uh, right. But
3: they still haven't pushed out. And this lady was asking me yesterday. She said, "Kenny, can, should I just go ahead and just get rid of this thing?" I'm going, "Wait, well, you, you know, you can." I said, but if you have good green tissue in there, I mean, there's still a chance this thing might flush out.
2: Yeah, but I would cut it back really hard. Just
3: go ahead and cut them back.
2: Yeah, because, you know, it's trying to form, it's trying to move enough food up to stimulate those buds to open. And there's just not enough food stored in it. So if you reduce the number of buds, then it has a
3: better better chance. chance. Mm -hmm. Okay, And you're saying down
2: to... 24 inches? Uh, I I think, well, a lot of it would depend on the age of the plant. Okay. But I would say no taller probably than 12 inches. Okay.
1: Yeah. So the benefit of doing that um, after, you know, what you said, there's just not enough to take the nutrients up. Well, what you're doing when you're pruning is you're doing the root to shoot ratio, which some of the roots are gone. So they can't provide the entire plant. So if you're pruning, then you're giving the roots just a little bit to have to recover. And since you've lost roots, then you've kind of uh, put that ratio together and then it'll come out easier.
3: Yeah. And then go ahead and feed them if you hadn't Mm -hmm. fed them. I mean, they're going to need some of that extra energy to potentially flush out if they're going to flush out. But I didn't know if y'all had heard of any, you know, really flushing back out. Yeah, where they're just going, oh, blooming and everything. No, no. So, I mean, and I guess they're still going to be, you know, Lord Pedlums. they are flushing back out. Thank yeah, goodness.
1: Yeah, yeah, aren't they? You know, thank mm-hmm.
3: goodness um, because they were fried also. Of course, the Indian Hawthorns,
2: they're toast. Yeah. Only everything that was covered with snow is fine. Mm-hmm. But it above is, above yeah. that, <laughs> so now like I see
1: a whole bunch of dead shrubs with a little green. Uh, yeah, skirt. Looks, yeah, a little green skirt. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the word. Yeah. So then I'm standing out studying them, looking at it, going, OK, if that was mine, we're telling everybody to pull them out. You Know and because it's going to take forever to recover, but um, standing close, you know, they're recovering really nicely. The skirt is really good, and so <laughs> I'm skirt. deciding, do I am I going to take that brown off, or just do I leave it and let's see what happens? Uh, take that I said, brown How out much, much long? No, I uh, take the brown out and leave it. Yeah. No, I not. just got to take the whole plant <laughs> out. Whole I can't, plan. well,
3: oh, uh, yeah, that are, yeah, how many people are going to be patient enough to cut back? Oh, a, you
1: meant take it out of the ground, yeah,
3: yeah. 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 T- I know.
1: uh, Now, maybe if it's a couple of shrubs on the back 40 that you're not looking at, then i just let it see what happens. And I would give
2: serious consideration to replacing it with something else.
3: Mm. Yeah. You know, we we haven't had a lot of people coming into the garden center wanting to replace dead Indian hawthorns with more Indian hawthorns. It's just one of those plants where, and they're beautiful plants. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Uh, And they're used uh, by homeowners and commercial people use them all the time. Uh, But all it takes is one of these crazy winters to come through here like we just had. Yeah, and
2: the upside is we've had 20 years or so of fairly mild Mm -hmm. temperatures. So they've been able to get established. You plant one right now and we get temperatures in the 10 to 12 degrees, Next year, it's going to kill it. Yeah, it's just not. going to marginal. It's a marginal plant. I'm You're still exactly going right. to. I'm
1: still going to use use them in uh, different ways, though. I'm not. I don't. I've never rowed them. Don't have put a whole row in or a lot of them because of that potential. I've always known that we may have a problem with it, but I like to spot them around for the evergreen, for the blooming. But I want them in a lot of sun and not compacted around other plants for the airflow and all. But we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, like I had one client come in and say that the way that our winters of the future here are going to be like last winter.
3: Uh, let's hope <laughs> not. And and I was in a you know gentleman's backyard last night, uh, and you know we were talking about you know some of the winter damage, and Jim we were also talking about how you know overall guys it wasn't as bad as I really thought it was going to be. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, gardenias and and hawthorns, and we get that. Some of the other tender plants, I mean, they did take a beating, uh, Lorpellum, but most of these plants have come back out. Uh, Now, rosemary, you know, he had some huge rosemary that was, uh, you know, been in the ground for years, well-established. And he did have one or two of them Mm survive because they were up close to the the brick wall, but there were some that were in containers that are just dead as mackerels. But there again, I'm not going to plant a rosemary Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the winter might kill it. I'm going to plant rosemary, you Mm -hmm. know. So there are some marginal plants out there. That I can't
1: stop laughing because you said dead as mackerels. Uh,
3: dead as a mackerel. I don't know. Where that's <laughs> I haven't
1: heard that one before. But, but just
3: just keep in mind, I mean, gardeners are going to plant certain things knowing that they're marginal and mm-hmm. they might make it through a cold winter and they mm-hmm. might not. It's just the way it is.
1: Well, I think we should. We're going to talk about green water. I think we should talk mm-hmm. a little bit about growing tomatoes because a great tomato contest is coming up. Um how to plant things you know we've got lots of topics to talk about we'd like to know what y'all have been interested in in your garden so you can call us at 260-5926
3: yep or you can always go on facebook live and there's miss veda front and center and shoot us a text and then if you miss all of this you can always go back to the podcast and listen later on but a lot of people tune in y'all on uh, facebook live it's just the mighty 990s all it is
1: we'll be right back
0: the garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 with your hosts vader vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: good morning good morning welcome back to mid-south gardening you are in the second hour of fun with Vader, jim and kenneth <laughs> almost called you kim and Jenneth.
2: I good. have been called work.
3: <laughs>
1: Kim and Jennifer. I do the show with Kim and Jennifer.
3: Oh, Lordy. And Steve, hang on just one second. But good morning to you, Ms. Veda, and to you, Jim. If you'll give us a call, 260 5926. 260 5926. And of course, you can always go to the Mighty990 uh, Facebook page and send us a text and watch mm-hmm. Ms. Veda and just do all that good stuff.
1: All righty. So let's go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for the call.
3: All right. Yes, I would like to speak to the movie star. Yes, sir. That would be me. Yeah. Has to be me.
5: <laughs> no, the one I saw on T V.
3: <laughs> that well, would be Miss
5: Baden. Oh,
1: maybe so. Yeah. But I was on T V like ten years ago. But you're on TV now.
3: You're on Facebook. Oh
1: yeah. Okay, uh, Steve, was, what's going on?
3: <laughs> I I was gonna
5: ask Jim.
2: Nanny nanny nanny. That's all we needed. <laughs> What what, you what can to do Tim,
5: for you, Jim? <laughs> I've got quite a large area where we had privet hedge, uh-huh, and I'm gonna have to spray it with a full behind tank sprayer, mm-hmm. but the sprouts are coming up uh
2: and did you cut it all down?
5: yeah, but it's coming back okay up.
2: that's that's okay. just wanted to make sure all yeah. right,
5: <laughs> all right, what can I get to kill that? I can't afford brush killer putting this sprayer
1: well, goats
2: <laughs> goats are expensive too beta.
1: This is true, but you can pay Well them.
2: you know there are some products that you can use is there okay, first, is there anything in this area that you're wanting to keep?
5: No, okay,
2: all right. then you can buy something like 24 d amine, mm. relatively expensive. I mean it's expensive. Like, Inexpensive. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. twenty bucks a gallon or twenty five bucks a gallon or whatever. And, um, you, know, you, you know, you can get it in large two and a half gallons or five gallons at your farm stores, right. uh, and it will work as a brush killer. Um, you, you're going. One more time. It's 24 d amine. 24 um,
3: d amine. A m i n e amin,
2: and it's low volatile, so it, it's not real bad about vaporizing and. Blowing across the street and killing somebody's roses. Right. Um, it, does, it does an excellent job. Now, because you're getting sprouts, okay, you've got a lot of carbohydrates stored in the roots that you left in the ground. So let them get up 10, 12 inches tall so they get some foliage on them mm-hmm. and then spray them, leave them a week or so, come back and cut them down. And then it's going to happen again. So it's going to take a couple of applications to get them all. But okay, that'll do it. That's the cheapest way. There are some other products like triclopyr that's probably a better brush killer. Right, it is a little more expensive, but I'm not sure once you mix it, according to the label directions, if it's terribly more expensive. But 240 amine is is a good product, and, and it even has an aquatic label. You can spray weeds in your you know fish bond and stuff with it.
5: Okay, uh, can I have one more question? Yeah, sure. go
3: ahead, Steve.
4: I, uh, I, have a, I know. Excuse me, this is his wife shining in. I do have a a pretty tall maple tree back there. Can I spray underneath
1: the the drip lines of that, or will it hurt
2: it? I would try to just spot spray under there and not broadcast spray. Right. That would be my preference. Okay. Okay,
5: thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, one more last question, if I could. Sure. Uh, Burning bush. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: How do
3: you trim those oh gosh there, yeah. it's, it's in the as family i mean you can go out there blindfolded mm-hmm. and trim a burning bush i mean there's no set way that you should or shouldn't prune them if you just need to cut them back cut them back if you need to shear them go ahead and shear them uh they'll they'll take pruning without a problem at yeah,
1: all Yeah, i can promise you that yeah <laughs> okay all right thanks for hey, the
3: thanks call steve thanks for calling steve. this morning Thanks, Steve. And, you know, and his wife had a good question, you know, asking about uh, using uh, basically broadleaf weed killers or herbicides in general within the drip line of desirable trees uh, because you're right. You have to be careful uh, on some of these herbicides, Jim, Veda, as you know, within the drip line of and these trees. And even beyond the drip line, too. You know, uh, but, yeah, I mean. I,
2: you know, we're yeah. seeing uh, already hearing reports of some trees that are not leafing out. And it's uh, and because they've been the turf has been sprayed with MSM. Mm. and certain oak trees and I think some <laughs> maples, they just they're still green, the wood's right. still green, it look fine. They're just not leafing out.
3: Yeah, so be careful and that was a great question. And also, would you add a surfactant, Jim, when you're trying to kill a brush like that, uh, if you had two four D or two four amine, you need would you add a, a spreader sticker to it to really stick I would. to that? A
2: lot of them already have a surfactant okay, in good, it, but right. I'd still do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And and don't use dishwashing detergent. Okay, that's gonna kinda defeat your purpose um okay. you know, it does nasty stuff to the soil you know everybody talks about using dawn liquid you know and it's great for taking grease off ducks <laughs> but it isn't very good on plants because <coughs> it strips the cuticle layer off mm-hmm. uh you know particularly on so so you want to be careful about that no, but anyway a, a spreader stick would be fine Doesn't always,
1: uh, um yeah. lichterman center still do the privet pull or yeah, have they, they first, used to. Yeah, know. or have they finally gotten all the privet out they and don't have ever. to pull? Well, wouldn't that know. be nice to know? Well, so that would be a good economical way is have a, a family reunion or have a lot of people over and just do a all privet Oh, the cost pool. of beer
2: would just be outlandish.
1: So it would probably be about the same, <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> yeah. it? <to> and he's <laughs> worried about my little herbicide. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but
3: privet, I mean, you know, of course, privet you can't even buy in the state of Tennessee mm-hmm. anymore. And there was uh, the old green privet, there was variegated privet,
2: and then the weeping privet. And the sunshine. Mm-hmm. And you know, I heard just yeah. recently that uh, the Department of Agriculture is now issuing fines. They are mm-hmm. finding uh, sunshine privet, sunshine Ligustrum mm-hmm. for sale in some retail centers, yeah. and they are they're finding them now. Yeah. Started with mm-hmm. warnings years ago, mm-hmm. you know. And I had a conversation. I don't know if you remember Mark Halcomb. He sure. was our he was our county agent back mm-hmm. years ago, and and went over to McMinnville. Uh, but through him, I had a conversation with the lady who makes the decision at. Department of Agriculture. Uh, she she said, and, and she is absolutely not going to approve it for sale, you know, regardless yeah. if they say it's sterile or now not. Now,
3: you can still see privet like Steve's got, and you still see weeping privet around mm-hmm. some of these commercial yeah. buildings. I mean, there's still a lot of privet out there. You just can't legally
2: buy it here in Tennessee yeah, anymore it's, because, it's
3: because it's so
2: invasive. It's That's like the reason behind it. We close the gate, you know, after the cows have been dead yeah, for years. Right, I mean, right, it's, right. I don't know what good
3: it's doing. <laughs> but. Right. but but yeah. but the, yeah. the problem is when you want to start getting rid of it, um, mm-hmm. uh, like Steve's going through. I mean, that stuff, you can cut it down at ground level. It, it, it'll it be back at six foot in, you know, a year's time. Uh, and it's got an extensive root system. And it's like Jim was telling him, you know, when you cut it down and start spraying, you're going to have to spray more than one time. In fact, you might have to spray periodically through this whole year. That's a real to possibility. To finally get rid of all that root system down there. But if you mm-hmm. stay with it and you're repetitious,
2: eventually you will get rid yeah. of it. And on you know, wooded areas, they're mm-hmm. actually trical in combination with glyphosate or Roundup. Uh, is approved for use in w- inside forest for mm-hmm. removal of privet because it's green during the wintertime. All of your ephemerals and stuff have died down. So the spray, if you're just going in there and misting the plant, you can take the privet out and not harm anything else mm-hmm. in the woods because yeah. it's not going to go into mm-hmm. the trunks of trees. So, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way if you've got a little wooded area to get it out of there.
3: Kind of like bamboo, trying to get rid of it. Those yeah. two products are
2: good for that, also. Yeah, I just planted some. Huh?
1: Bamboo? Yeah, yeah I'm going to plant some, too. This is, a, both this, is a clump,
2: this is a clumping variety. Right. Yeah. How now, tall would that is still that get away you, from you, though? No. Mm-hmm.
1: no. The clumping variety is that tall?
2: Uh, there are some. Alf, yeah. Like Alphonse Car will get 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's real pretty. It has, it has a yellow stem and green stripes. Yeah. So it's really an unusual like thing. Did you do it in a container or in, in a bed? No, I have a running one in a container, but this is in a bed. This is a, in fact, um, Golden Goddess is the name of it. And,
3: and what about you, Miss Veda? What variety? It's going
1: to go. I, I'm still researching. Or I haven't no, even no, no, started no. researching, but this one's going to go in a um, area that, if it takes a takes off, then the whole area would be gone. <laughs> but it's going to um, block a fence. Mm-hmm. In a small area, but it's going to add, you know, grace and sound and, and movement in the garden. And that's,
3: that was going to be my point. Yeah. I love bamboo. Mm-hmm. I love it. But, I mean, it's you, you better know what you're getting yeah, into depending I, on the variety. And if you are not sure, you better make sure you have an underground barrier. Mm-hmm. To keep that stuff from spreading.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm almost thinking about doing both the clumping and the barrier. Yeah. But I don't know yet. Okay, we're going to run to a break. And if y'all come back and listen to us, we'll talk about your water gardens. And we'll talk about tomatoes. We've got to talk about that. And various other topics. We'll talk about what you want to. Call us 260-5926.
0: The Mid-South's conservative blowtorch. The Mighty 990. KWAM.
1: sing good don't, morning don't, good morning please don't sing <laughs> yeah good thing um yeah one time one time a long time ago oh, uh, my niece yeah my niece was four maybe and my sister said oh we're gonna listen to aunt beta on the radio and my niece was like oh yay yay so when the show was over she looked at uh, my sister and goes She didn't even sing one time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't sing, but she thought that was, you're on the radio, you sing. That's Mm -hmm. funny. So I disappointed her with that.
3: And I know that you're (laughs) going to talk about green water and some of the other stuff. But let me just uh, bring this up also, guys, because a lot of people love Japanese maples. And we've talked about them before. But I just want people to know, what is the proper procedure uh, When you're picking out a Japanese maple, is there mm-hmm. like the Japanese lace leaf maples or your blood goods and upper ones, you know, your upright maples? Is there a difference between those? Mm-hmm. And also, what what about the perfect place and the perfect way to plant?
1: Well, you know, um, <coughs> first off, you want to pick the maple that's for your space. Kind of like we
2: talk size about... Size matters. Yeah.
3: Yeah, kinda, matters. And we talk about crepe myrtles that way, yeah. the same way.
1: And the lights... You're just happy with that
3: (laughs) and the way
5: the light
1: situation is as well. So Jim's like, I'm not taking that any farther. So hold on. So Jim,
3: Beta, (laughs) Japanese maples don't mind good morning sun. No. Japanese maples love high afternoon shade. Yeah. Here? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, because I mean, you see Japanese maples planted out there Mm -hmm. in full baking afternoon sun. They'll Mm -hmm. grow there. Mm -hmm. But you are going to get that burn on that tissue, on that foliage every year if that's where you put it. So morning sun, afternoon filter sun, high shade model sun. That's the place. And then, like you said, Veda, there's so many different varieties. Some of them only get six to eight foot tall. Some of them get 20, 25 foot tall and everywhere in between. So you do want to buy the maple that fits the space, right? And then I always say this, and of course, I guess I say this on everything people plant. (laughs) You best make sure that you've got decent drainage. Uh, it's one of those things kind of like roses. They don't mind water. In fact, everything loves water, but they will not sit in water. They hate wet feet. So drainage is a big time key when, it's, when it comes to these Japanese maples. And then lastly, I'll say this. You know, we are always talking about mulching our beds. Now, any arborist would tell you, you don't want a heavy layer of mulch on top of the root system of these japanese maples light layers fine but you don't want a heavy layer so all of those things combined guys they're one of the prettiest and easiest trees to grow that you can get for your landscape
1: i do love them and um, i like them all from the weeping to the blood good doesn't that tolerate more sun
2: well, you can grow them in full sun, pretty much yeah. all of them. Now, the, le- the lacier the leaf, the more burn you're going to get. There we go. But even the best of them are going to get burned, and you may mm-hmm. still get some protected from afternoon sun. <coughs> I mean, it just depends on how hot it gets here. Mm-hmm. Um, where, Jim, where do they typically, I mean, where do you see Japanese maples? I mean, are they they would prefer to be about 100 miles north of here okay. and so a little further, further north. north. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, um, when the soil temperature gets to 70 degrees, Japanese maples go into a self-defense mode and they slow down their moisture intake. But you still have that hot baking sun on them so Mm -hmm. they lose moisture and you get what's called leaf scorch and it's just a physiological thing because it's not replacing that moisture. Uh, It's not hurting the plant. They're going to come out next year, look absolutely beautiful, but they can look pretty ready by the end of the season. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And so that's a good Mm -hmm. point with a lot of plants. When we get above a certain temperature, when it's getting really, really warm, they just kind of stop Mm -hmm. because they just can't do anymore Mm -hmm. when the temperature is up that high. Except for Lantana. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, they and don't. And yuccas and cactus. All right, we've got a caller. We've got Kim. Good morning, Kim. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning, y'all. Hey, Miss okay. Kim.
4: Hey, I have two topics. First, I want to talk about grouping the pots of plants, like mm-hmm. Jim was mentioning last week. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, you know, Jim taught us, you cannot have better boy tomato too close to somebody else. Mm-hmm because he may not turn out to be a better boy. And you told me they're all good boys. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I bet Kenny knows where I'm going. Now, as you know, all my plants, I have in pots. So obviously they're grouped, so I know exactly which pot with what plant is where. So we do have them grouped naturally. Sometimes when I have I can start Traveler tomatoes, and then next pot would have Jetstar tomatoes. Right. I have seen that, you know, sometimes they kind of mix in the shape of each tomato. So I've seen what uh, Jim was talking about last week, how you should group. So I told Eddie this week, you know what? <clears throat> if you have Better Boy tomatoes and other tomatoes, and you group them close together, right. You know what you're going to get? You're you going to get a mixed up boy. You're going to get a mixed up boy. And so that's one thing. And then I'm going to educate everybody on how not to treat pork salad. Mm-hmm. I'm getting educated over here. Okay. There is a pot in my garden, and I was just hoping it was the beginning of the summer spinach Of course, it's too early, but I was just hoping. Well, when the true leaves showed, Eddie said, it is not malabar spinach, it is pork salad. Right. So, but then this week, Eddie said, well, you know, you can eat that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, when I was singing at a revival at a church one time, I thought they said something about, at a certain point, it's poisonous or something. And Eddie said, well, they're poisonous if you wait till they're bloomed. And it hadn't bloomed. Mm-hmm. So he said, you can eat that. Well, I'm lazy at cooking, so I usually just pick herbs and eat it raw like right. in a salad. Right. Fortunately, Eddie's wife said, no, you cannot eat pork salad raw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she said, cook it and then drain that water off mm-hmm. and then put more water. Cook it second time. Yeah. I did that, and when I drained that second time cooked water, yeah. honey, the pork salad had disappeared.
3: It <laughs> 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 It is shrunken down to nothing. Well, what did yeah, you? Th-
4: I cooked too long. What <laughs> did
3: you think about the taste of it, though?
4: Well, I li- I like anything God made, you know, yeah. that's edible. I have had pork salad made by people who know how to handle it like in kentucky right they made it with scrambled eggs and mixed it in it was delicious i mean
3: but, like okay. you said miss kim there are a lot of weed what we call weeds yeah. uh that are that are that are edible i mean uh you know i've heard of people eating pigweed i've heard of people eating amaranthus, wild violets you know? wild violets and yeah. yeah i mean so you know i have no problem with that but i just couldn't go through the trouble of.
4: Yeah, I said this is too much work. Yeah,
3: and and cooking something bite. twice, no ma'am.
4: Anyway, I thought I'll share with a gardening family what not to do. There we go. <laughs> well, thank you thank for you, that. Kim. Thank well, you we for love you, Ms. Kim. Thanks for
3: the call, Miss Kim, and Happy Mother's Day to you, Miss Kim. And tell uh, Eddie, uh, who is great, mm-hmm. uh, tell Eddie we said hello also.
1: Oh, uh, uh, poke salad, Annie. Yeah, Gator's poke salad. Got hey, your people
3: are forever. Yeah. Trust me, you know. Gators God. got your and granny. Can you spell mm-hmm. the
2: second word of poke salad? S a l a d, uh, No, poke, it's S-A-L-L-E-T. It's poke salad. Yeah,
1: poke salad. It's not
2: I poke salad. Yeah. You can. <laughs> um, am I ever poke wrong? Poke
1: salad, any
2: Anyway, uh, we did have a uh, somebody called. We were talking about surfactants a little while ago. Uh, Diane Lyons wanted to know what's a good surfactant to use. And uh, it, when you go to your garden center, whatever you're buying, th- they'll sell something called spreader sticker, right. and that, that does it for you. And a lot of things like... Um, Um, Over the top, you have to add a surfactant to that to make it last longer and get it evenly Distributed over yeah. the leaf surface. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pick up uh, just any spreader sticker. You're good to go with that.
3: Yeah, spreader sticker. Yeah. that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. And we sell quite a bit of that also. Yeah.
1: Because we're talking about that because we're recommended not doing the Dawn liquid detergent. Yes. As a spreader sticker. But well, see,
3: Jim, but I've always heard, and I know we've only got about 40 seconds, but I've always heard of using just liquid hand soap mm-hmm. as a surfactant because it makes it stick to the the foliage. Yes,
2: but a detergent like Dawn actually oh. strips the, the cuticle layer mm-hmm. off. Now, on a weed, it isn't going to be an issue, but if right. you've got desirables or yeah. if you've got houseplants, you'll hear a lot of people say put oh, yeah. Dawn liquid on it, and it actually is not a healthy thing. I oh, gotcha. And it's even worse when it gets into your soil. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: that was my thing. Okay, we'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We have a call this morning. Let's go to Alexis. Good morning, Alexis. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good
4: morning.
3: Hey, Alexis. Good morning to you. Um.
4: Thank you. I was calling just wondering... What is the ideal time to divide and move hostas?
3: When it's convenient to yeah, you.
1: they just don't care.
4: <laughs> oh, wonderful.
3: I mean, as long as you know where to dig. I mean, a lot of people go out there in the early spring when they're first coming out of the ground. Uh, they'll dig them up, divide them, and replant them, or, you know, in, in the fall before they go dormant. But you can do it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to mess up the shape of it uh, for yes. a little while, but uh, you're not going to hurt the hosta itself.
4: Oh okay, well great. So I have one other question and that is in cutting back the hydrangea, can you use those cuttings to root yes. more or not?
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean
3: okay. in, in are we talking about the old fashioned pink and blues
2: or no,
5: the I'm new talking about limelight. Yes. And that series.
2: Yeah, they 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 root very easily.
3: I mean wouldn't oh, you okay. wouldn't you mm-hmm. still take a cutting though and do it the old fashioned way, like a ten inch cutting, pull all the leaves off except the ones at the top? Make a good, fresh, angled cut. Kind of rough up the bark at the bottom where you make the cut. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, Wet, wet. of course, dip it in water. And then dip it in that rooting powder called Root Tone. And that powder, um, Alexis, will stick to the cutting. And then have a pot or in the ground and have a hole already prepared where you can just set it down in that hole and push that dirt back around it. And really all you have to do is just keep it warm uh, and keep it
1: moist. Which is not a problem now, the warmth... But when you get like take the uh, take the cutting and take the middle part, like cut the tip off the fresh yep. tip. If yeah. it's
2: really really tender, it's going to wilt over. So it's best yeah. just to clip off that top inch or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have ideally the wood just snaps. You know, it's yeah. Still yeah you don't green. want old
3: tissue. You don't want brand yeah. new yeah. tissue. Yeah. You want them in between.
6: Yeah. yeah. Right, right.
2: This year's growth is fine. You just want to oh, go down right. a few inches. And you can root really old stuff. It just doesn't root as easy. It's, you
4: know, oh, it's okay. Just, I just want to try it and see what happens. Oh, yeah. I'll it's load it up with a bunch of them. All righty. Well, I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for calling Thanks, in. Thanks, so Now we have all kinds of wonderful decorative things to root your plants in. Say, for instance... My mother always rooted plants in cute little glass bottles mm-hmm. on a, a window sill. she would do it, it in had, water or yeah, she'd do it
3: in soil or both, really? Water,
1: yeah. So that way you can <clears throat> see all the cute cuttings from everything outside and watch the roots. And then transplant them well now they're uh creating all kinds of wonderful things that can hang on the wall and hang from your ceiling and hang <laughs> off the refrigerator yeah, true. but they're all little glass vials and or can, you shapes you can buy the little shelves that yeah, they go on right so now there there's a whole new decorating motif with uh rooting plants especially the house plants true. i mean this would what i saw was more house plants but you know you can root your coleus and your hydrangea oh, and your yeah. Whatever. I've, I've never been a big rooter. Yeah.
3: And I mentioned uh, the root tone, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the rooting hormone, uh, which is the powder. There's also the gel that we carry. You know, if some people don't want to deal with the powder. There's, there's the, the gel that you dip it down into. But, um, but those do really help produce roots faster on cuttings than not using a hormone.
2: And if you don't have either one of those, you can make your own with just some stems from a weeping willow. Yeah. Go out, chop them up in about half-inch pieces, put them in your blender, and oh, just hold on, put them in your blender. Put them in your blender with full full of water, and yeah. you can keep that water for six to eight weeks and use that to help root plants. Now, do you do? Would you use
3: that that water solution as your just just
2: You just water the plants with it. That's all you have to do. Mm
4: -hmm. Isn't that that
1: wonderful? Yeah, Yeah. because you can stick a a willow stem in a pot and it'll root.
2: You can lay it on the ground, cover it with dirt, you know, it'll root.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's already (laughs) cut off. Like you can do hydrangeas and azaleas. You can take a limb and bend them over, put a brick on it or what have you, and then it roots. But uh, you're talking about a different way. Good
3: Lord. Um, Betty, you were talking about, uh, we're going to talk about tomatoes because A, people love their tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Tomatoes, to me, are the biggest. Bragging right vegetable, there is no demand, right? Uh, and I've said this a million times you can have a vegetable garden and have everything produced perfectly, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Corn, eggplant, peppers, on down squash, on down the line. But if your peppers fail, it's like your whole yeah, year was no a way. failure, you know? So people love their tomatoes. So, what are some of the do's and don'ts? Or, so really, what are some of the trade secrets? When it comes mm. to growing really good tomatoes.
1: Well, we're always talking about the soil. Definitely the soil. A lot of feeding. You just don't prepare your soil. Put the tomato in there. and Forget about it. So
3: you're, uh, you're like a soil that's high in organic matter. Yeah, Adding right. the compost to it.
1: Yeah, and then, then adding a lot after that. Liquid fertilizer, granule fertilizer. Just feed them a lot.
3: And then what about the pH? You mentioned that last couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, we do need to keep the pH pretty neutral. What 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 is actually? I've never checked out what the ideal pH I think is six, for a tomato. on tomatoes.
3: You because you yeah. know lack of calcium, you will start getting that blossom end rot also. Mm-hmm. So you want to pH this up around six and a half. You want good, well drained, loose, organic, mattered soil. Does that
1: make sense? Mattered. And then <laughs> <works>. and then,
3: <laughs> I guess Jim D- Veda Does it matter what tomato you put in there? No. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Arkansas Traveler, like it. Better Boy, Jetstar,
2: on down the line. Oh, That's you, right. It okay. doesn't matter. Just, you know, whatever. You, if you want to pick a slicer, or if you want one, you know, that weighs four pounds. Yeah. You just, you know, you just pick the variety. And you, and you definitely need an area that gets more sun than shade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And,
1: but and, they and, don't mind a little shade. No, but but yeah, you don't want to stick them in the shade, yeah, though. Yeah, just a little bit. And mm-hmm.
3: then, you know, we, we're talking about blossom end rot, where the bottom mm-hmm. of the tomato starts to rot. You know, you go through all this trouble, you start getting tomatoes, and the dang things start to rot on you, right? Well, that's usually from one or two things. Usually from a lack of calcium and and calcium nitrate or yield booster or keeping your pH up where it needs Mm -hmm. to be definitely helps prevent blossom end rot. But also just as important is you want to try to keep tomatoes at a constant moisture. And I know that sounds crazy, but you don't want to let them get really dry before you water and you don't want to let them, you know, keep them way wet uh, and never let them dry out. So just a constant moisture, because if you read about blossom end rot in particular, it is not only calcium, but it's also that up and down watering schedule that yeah. people
2: do. Yeah, water is, the, is particularly here is one of the main issues because the calcium that's in your soil, even if your pH is correct, if it's too wet, the calcium is not available to the plant. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's just not ava- in a form that's available the plant can get. So by giving them something like calcium nitrate or mm-hmm. liquid calcium chloride, right. that type of calcium is readily available. So you can get that calcium into the plant. Uh, so sometimes we have to do that to, uh, to fix blossom end rot.
3: And what about the product called Blossom Set? You know, we all know that tomatoes will start growing. Mm-hmm. You'll start getting blooms. And for, you know, mostly weather conditions, the blooms will just fall off before they pollinate. So you see people go out there with Q-tips and, you know, and toothbrushes and everything else, trying to just move that pollen around to get these things pollinated. Well, there is a product called Blossom Set that you can spray directly onto the bloom, whether you think you need it or not. It'll make that bloom stay on there, hopefully long enough to pollinate. got to have pollination before you get the fruit, right?
1: Yeah, I've always used seaweed for that, too. It's got a lot of hormones in it as well. And I've sprayed the plant down, sprayed the soil down. And either I have such a conviction that it's going to work that it works, (laughs) but... I it love works seaweed, well for
3: me. and then Tomato Tone is another product mm-hmm. uh, which is granulated by Aspoma. Uh, it's got all that mycorrhizae and all that good stuff in it, so you can surely feed. And there's other ones. Don't get me wrong, but you can feed with Tomato Tone as your dry fertilizer. You can do that once a month, and then like Veda does, you can go out there in between every two weeks with that liquid seaweed and just spray them down, spray the foliage and the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you guys, you might win the tomato contest. <coughs>
1: uh mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're not going to give all the secrets, are we? Well, that no. those are it. <laughs> those are right. <laughs> that's about all there is to it. Oh, you know, some people like to pinch the suckers. Uh that's off it that's in the crotch of some of the tomatoes, but you don't have to print, nah, uh, some, pinch uh, the suckers. Yeah. Yeah, cuz uh you those grow tomatoes as well.
3: And I tell you another thing that I like to do, and I'm this is just a personal <sighs> observation, instead of planting just one variety of tomatoes, Um, I like to plant two or three different varieties because some tomatoes do better when the soil temperatures are really hot. You know, Mm -hmm. some do better uh, producing uh, a produce earlier in the season than the other ones. I mean, so instead of just having one variety, Mm -hmm. I like to plant two or three different varieties. You don't have to, but I just think it's a good idea sometimes. And some of them are a little more disease resistant, of course, than other ones.
1: Right. True that. So, um, Water gardening is really becoming popular again because it's warm and I love, love, love water gardening. It's such a, um, there's so many ways to do a water garden. And I know in the last 15 minutes, Jim's going to go over some tips for water gardening. It's just the
3: sound of the water to me. I mean, whether you got, you know, koi fish in there with, you know, Jim's, you know, he goes overboard. Mm-hmm. He's got this five, thousand gallon you know (laughs) water feature in his backyard big as an Olympic swimming pool you know we all don't have that okay but uh, I like you know just the sound of the water and whether you're doing fish or plants or whatever you can just have a nice uh, you know in ground little pond there uh, with water movement, and it's, I tell you, it's, it's like sitting in a rocking chair. You know how you sit in a chair that moves? Yeah. I always feel better than sitting in a chair that moves right. than one that doesn't. Right, right. Well, the way that you can even beat that is having a, a, a water feature out there that you hear the sound of running water. Well, if you had a recliner
2: right there by it, just be perfect, wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, it? wouldn't it? <laughs> a little refrigerator.
3: <laughs> but Jim wants to talk about the old green water, because anytime you have a water feature, you're going to have green water. Yeah.
2: And that seems to be the one reason that people get frustrated with them and want to mm-hmm. fill them in is green water. And that's so. just,
3: well, just was, not a good reason. Well I was talking to a guy the other day and I said, How have you been? He said, Well, I cleaned out my my pond. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like I would never ever do that again.
1: All right. we're gonna he run he run was to a break there, Let me and say this, we'll He was out right there back.
3: neck deep. <laughs> the,
0: the mighty, mighty nine ninety KWAM and Mighty990.com.
1: Good morning and welcome back. We're going to go straight to a caller. It's Jamie, the Master Gardener. Good morning. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good
6: morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to
3: you.
6: Boy, y'all just got a great subject going while you're talking about tomatoes now.
1: Yeah, that's our <laughs> cue for you to call and just pep us up. That's the bragging rights, no doubt.
6: <laughs> I do have a question for you, though, uh, and I, I've tried this myself. If, if you've got a small plant, can you rush it with throwing, by throwing phosphorus fertilizer around it? Can you rush the maturing process?
2: You can force it to produce more flowers. Um, as far as making it bloom earlier, mm. probably not.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't I think so. Yeah, but, I don't think it make it bloom earlier. They,
2: they yeah. normally bloom when they start getting 15 inches or so. You'll start mm-hmm. having the first flower. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to move it up, you know, 10 days or something like that. Um, but it will produce more flowers, which yes, if, you're, yes. if you're going for to produce that big one, that's not what you want. You do want to pinch those flowers off so it focuses on producing that one huge tomato. Yeah.
6: Well, I, I know you can get the bloom for sure. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's something
3: like triple superphosphate, Jim, superphosphate. Yeah, phosphate. Right.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
6: But anyway, I have a question I wanted to ask. for you know, we're we're down here in Florida right now, and uh, we've got some people that that's got some ripe tomatoes already.
1: You forgot to they, pick they, me up. <laughs> 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 it's this weekend. <laughs> but
6: but it's about the size of golf balls. But you know, that's beside the point, I guess. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I, the phosphorus thing was is really was bothering me. Not bothering bothered me, but mm-hmm. I, I had a question about it, so that's the reason I called. And thank y'all so much for your subject and. The Great Tomato Contest will be, uh, you know, on July the 17th. So we're looking forward.
1: That's awesome. Well, Jamie, have
5: a
3: great weekend, and tell uh, your sweet wife, Jan, that we said Happy Mother's Day, buddy.
1: So, be safe. Thank, you. Right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So, the tomatoes are farther ahead in Florida. So, if you don't have one ready by the tomato contest, just cruise to Florida, pick one. Come on. And
2: back. I guess you can put your suitcase <laughs> up, Miss mm-hmm. <Ms>. Beta. <laughs> just if you get it out of the grocery store, get all the sticky stuff yeah, off. Right. Where the, the yeah, label we can was. tell that
1: too. Because <laughs> if I'm tasting it and I taste the sticky stuff, it's on you. Okay, green water, real quick okay. before we have to
2: go. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about green water. The natural process in the pond is as is, is a, is a, water temperature begins to rise, the algae is the first thing to grow. All right, so the water begins to turn green. If you leave that alone and let it go through that process as you're other water plants kick in. Your water lilies shade the surface, and they're heavy feeders. They'll take the nitrogen out of the water, mm. and it will get clearer. And now, I, how long do you have to let it go? Now? Well, it depends on how you know on the weather. To, okay. Totally. On oh, how quickly the water temperature. just will, Just ignore it. Leave it alone. Just be patient. Now, if you don't have enough plants in there to take the algae out, if your fish load is too heavy, then you either have to go to some filtration, or you've got to add some additional plants. Uh, But what you don't want to do is take the water out and replace it because tap water is extremely nitrogen rich mm. and it starts the whole process over again yeah
1: don't scrub the sides don't I
2: told you blow I blow all a the stuff out yeah, of your filter you know, don't so. do
1: it clean it but don't scrub it
2: right so if you'll just be patient though there are some chemicals that will help take that green water out but <clears throat> green water is healthy for your fish mm-hmm. in Japan where they have these really expensive you know several hundred thousand dollar fish mm. the they'll keep them in their home garden mm-hmm. during the summertime and crystal clear water, and then they will move those to farm ponds and put them where the water is green because it's actually healthier for the plants, and they'll do some breeding there. Healthier for the fish? For the fish, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, So, you know, don't get impatient with a green water. Let it Mm -hmm. go through its cycle, okay? You may have to add more filtration. If you really want a lot of fish, then you've got to. Mm -hmm. The rule is normally about one inch of fish for every five gallons of water. So, and if you have Mm -hmm. plants in there, then that should balance out and you shouldn't need to do anything. You shouldn't even need to add pumps of any type. It Mm. should go through the process and keep itself clear. I have no pump in my water lily pond. I've got about 15 small goldfish in there, but it, uses enough nitrogen that right now I can see clearly all the mm-hmm. way to the bottom. Now, are there are certain plants that you use in the aquatic
3: pond, gym. I mean, are they floaters, are they bog plants? They're all they, kinds, yeah. It yeah.
2: depends on the depth of your pond, you know. Because um, you're
1: setting up a balance just like you do in your soil and nature. Yeah, right.
2: Now, you can also get too many oxygenators, you know, because mm-hmm. at night they reverse. They're taking in oxygen. So if your fish are at the surface first thing in the morning, it looks like they're gasping for mm. air. They are, okay? <laughs> so you need to back off some of those or or decrease your fish load. So And the bigger the fish get, the more oxygen they take. Uh, now, so. what about, um, you know,
3: sunlight hitting the water? Because I know there you can buy dyes yeah, to, that to you reflect. add to the water to reflect mm-hmm. the the sun's rays from penetrating. The dyes are
2: not really for algae. The dyes yeah. are really for submerged plants like weeds that have taken over. Okay. That blocks the sunlight and kills, helps reduce those plants. Mm-hmm. But green water, it really doesn't help. It just turns green water blue. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, so, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's to set up a setup of bl- uh, balance. You should have if your uh, pond is in full sun, you should have like sixty to seventy percent of the surface covered mm-hmm. in terms of water lilies, lotus, parrot's it's, feather, like water hyacinth, water lettuce,
3: yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, water lettuce, that one too. So, uh, water gardens are a lot of fun. They uh, are. Yeah, and it's there like my thing was if you don't have a filter or a pump and your water's green, just add more plants. Yeah. yeah. And that'll, that'll clean it up that way too. And then it's like, uh, they sell all the stuff. It, it, Jim made a funny point, a good point when I was like, I remember when we first started doing water gardens, they said, scrub everything off the sides, yeah. clean everything out and just get all that stuff out. Yeah. And, um, then we thought, oh, maybe that was to, so you could sell more of that stuff in a bottle to put in your pond.
2: And you sell the service of uh, the service of cleaning that pond. Yeah. You know, if I were to hire somebody to come clean my pond, I would expect the liner to be yeah. clean, Me the too. whole thing, right. water crystal clear. Yeah. I could drink it or swim mm-hmm. it in it. Right. Maybe yeah. that's what I'm looking at. Right. That, that's yeah. not but correct. That's not, I mean, it's what the co- consumer wants. But, you know, the ideal thing is you let the algae grow on there. It's healthy. The fish will feed mm-hmm. off of it. You know, when you clean your filter medium, you don't want to wash all your good bacteria out with tap water. You just take it and knock it up against a tree somewhere, get the gunk out of it, and put it back in.
1: Yeah, I squeeze it on my plants.
2: Well, this has been a hoot.
1: And a hoot. So we will be back next weekend. We had a great time with y'all, and we will see you next weekend, Mid-South Gardening.